Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. breath of God. Grace has many expressions. And without a doubt, it has engaged in your life so many times, you have no idea. I think that 
that if you understood how often and how much your lives have been protected, guided, intervened by heaven, your jaw will drop on the floor. That is the nature of grace. And it's an itchy bitchy voice, but everybody has that. It's like a, a wave of guilt that goes through you that says, are you really sure you want to say that or think that about that person? That's, that's grace in action. That's grace that comes in and says, That's how grace operates in your life. It saves you from doing something harsh and dark and gives you an option to do something good and light in its place. Grace is the breath of God. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Carolyn Mace, Grace. Don't we all need a little bit of that, if not a lot? <laughs> I mean, it's at the root of our existence. It's who we are. It's the way that we can feel. There's something very mystical and powerful when we allow something higher than the ego thinking to take over our choices and to guide us on many occasions. But we keep getting in the way, if you've noticed, we get a lot in our way and we reduce what really the universe wants to offer us as our inheritance, as our fortune. So one of the things I've been practicing is to observe to what extent am I really just letting go of the thought, the idea, the thing, the person, the expectation. And each time I find that I actually apply that it's okay, it's, it's, you know, I call God Baba, so I say, Baba, it's yours. There's something that happens as if what would have come back to me in a limited scope has come back to me in a much more grander scope. It's become unlimited from the limited. And each time I can catch that in me, I just celebrate it because I think it's so important that we allow the energy of this purity, this divinity to work through us more than for us to keep restricting the abundance in which our life has to offer. So on a few of the shows, I've mentioned to you about a wonderful experience that I had in L.A. a few months ago and how um, I just got really inspired about the whole intention of the Love One Another movement, which has been an interesting turn in terms of this inspiration that I've gotten to bring it into churches, places of worship, universities, schools, what have you. And recently, I've also been able to experience my voice opening up more. I've always wanted to sing, but too much of a chicken. And even when I did, everybody ran out of the room. <laughs> 
And so I started to realize that, you know what, again, you're the only one that's holding yourself back. And there's something that's happening that as I find myself just releasing, just get out of the way, Jen. If if Baba wants to sing through you, Baba will sing through you. And it'll sound like an angel is singing through you. And so we were recently at Unity, and I had another chance to do it. And I'm just going to all these churches and places of worship of recent, but it's been a very beautiful experience because I'm comfortable in all these venues. And the person that we're about to have on the air was responsible for it as well, along with a few folks, which I value and worship a lot. And I'm learning a lot about our guest, Piper Dullams. She's the daughter of the late Ron Dellums, who was a former U.S. congressman and Oakland mayor. She's a powerful inspirational speaker, host, advocate, author, survivor, and drama, arts, and writing therapist and filmmaker. This lady stays so busy, don't even ask. She speaks at social and political activist conferences and events, women's prisons, women's rights and empowerment conferences, synagogue, churches, schools, human rights, all over the world. She's the CEO of Piper Dellums Productions, an executive producer at Raging Nations Film, and the executive producer and international celebrity ambassador for 2020 and onward, John Legend and Today Prince, Love One Another Video and PSA. And she's also done international gun violence and gun law reform campaigns. Piper's the 2019 recipient and keynote of the Survivor's Ball, Woman of the Year Award, and the 2018 Inspiric Circle of Light recipient with Oprah Winfrey for her dedication to victims and women's rights, international advocacy work. She has actually published 15 books, produced, written, directed a multitude of award-winning features, documentary, and short films. Today, we're honored to welcome Piper Dullams to America Meditating Radio. I'm just wondering where you get all that energy from, girl. That is a lot of busyness. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. I I actually, I don't know if it's an energy or if it's simply a destiny. And as you said earlier, it's simply grace, this unmerited favor of God to utilize the seasons of my life, experiences, and journey to take that mm-hmm. baton across the finish line of life and to say yes to every opportunity that comes when an opportunity opens itself up to say Someone needs you. Someone needs your testimony, mm-hmm. your story to lift up. Beautiful. If they're called, stand them up. I had the fortune of you being here at our meditation ashram with your beautiful daughter, Dylan, and your wonderful friend, Lori. Yes. And we sat yes. together, you know, for such a long period of time, just getting to know each other's hearts, vision, purpose. And one of the things that you left me with was, you don't waste a moment of your time, and that's something that's so attracting to me, that we're in this body to live a life of purpose or to answer the call. And I really deeply feel like, yes, keep going, Piper. Every second matters. And that's what I took away from our meeting when you were at the house. I know you didn't know that. Wow. That (laughs) actually, I would say, came from two extraordinary spirits in my life, which were my father, um, my very best friend, and Nelson Mandela. My father left me with something before he went on to be with God. He said to me, the key to life and the key to never aging 
is never accepting or receiving the concept of I used to be, but what am I becoming? The evolution mm-hmm. of life. That life is always evolutionary. So I got from that, that despite the seasons where I may want to lay down, lay down until you take a deep breath, crawl if you have to, then walk, then run, but never stop ascending. And from Nelson Mandela, it was his final conversation with his grandson where he stood in his office in Shushinguve looking out through a window where it was raining in southern Africa. And he said Mm. to his grandson, when I was a little boy, I used to love to run naked in the rain. I think you should do that. From those two concepts, I recognize that innocence can be restored through the journey. Running naked in the rain is the purification of life, the connection to everything that is creation, and evolution is always unfolding. So keep going. Just keep mm, going. That's powerful. Well, your dad and Nelson Mandela were known for governing from a place of morality and great compassion, yeah. which we're yeah. not finding as common today. Amongst us, we, we see it, we feel it. The numbers seem very small, though. Why have we as a society strayed uh, from such virtues such as compassion, morality? Haven't you noticed leaders are just not willing to speak up as much anymore and stand up for what is the higher choice to make for society? What do you think is behind that, well, Piper? Yes, I think I think what's behind that is there was a season of time where our leaders were not afraid to step into the humility of their humanity. So the fires of life that tore them open, that purified them, the pressures that created diamond spirits were things that people spoke about. We understood that coming through Jim Crow, coming through poverty, 28 years in Robbins Island, these are the things that break down and build up. And from those places, compassion can be born. Um, Destiny can be born. What happens today is there is a hiding behind uh, a truth. There is no truth. People are fearful to uh, have the world bear witness to their humanity, which is why there is no extension of grace. We have now come into a season where our leaders have created um, alternative truths. If we don't stand in the center of the truth of our humanity and allow the testimony of our journey, whether it's a fire season or a, a season of birthing, to be the foundation upon we stand, upon which we stand, there is no way to create compassion within the spirit. You know, you can't go from the palace to the palace. You have to go from the palace to the wilderness, from the wilderness to the edge of the Red Sea, and know that you're a step away from the miracle of your destiny. That takes courage. That takes faith. That takes humility. Um, And there is no humility with our leaders today because with open technological Mm. advancement, the world bearing witness to your life's journey, judgment and fear have become the overriding veil of people's existence. And with fear, you, you, you... If fear is what is guiding your journey, then you're really never confronting uh, the truth of your experience or your humanity. So Mm. I think that there's not a commitment to truth. Yeah, yeah. And it, wow, it's like this butterfly effect where everyone just starts to lie and everybody picks up lying and being disingenuous and 
I think a few of us who are the butterflies who are willing to speak truth to power, we cannot stop flapping our wings, though. Right, right. <laughs> well, I think as women, as women, we are physiologically, spiritually, and socially in connection with death and resurrection, with the seed, seeds falling into the darkness, the dark places of the womb or the dark places of the soil or of the soul, we know that there's always going to be a cracking open, a bleeding, a pushing, a labor, and that something new is going to be brought forth from our travail, a new ascension, and a new sprout, um, a new fruitful uh, existence filled with new seed. We're used to dying and resurrecting, to the seasons of life being our fluidity. So we're not hiding behind that. I think Mm -hmm. the translation into the male ego in our society today um, pushes people uh, into a dark, cavernous place where the idea of, of, of change or transformation or pain or labor um, is no longer something to be revered. It's something to hide, and people are so hidden inside of creating who they want the world to believe that they are. If you hide your humanity, you hide your soul, you can no longer hear the voice of God. You can no longer hear where to take the next step because you're, mm-hmm. you're in a dungeon of your own design. And that, of course, is going to stop compassion from vibrating because compassion is going to come from the center of the heart. Well, you had a father that um, carried very strong convictions of things that he felt were right at a time when many things were morally and ethically wrong. So you had an example of witnessing what a person goes through when they stand up against atrocity or that which is injustice. Now, there's some of us, perhaps we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a very strong leadership parent in our lives, or even if the parent had a leadership role, unfortunately, the leadership role might have not been one of ethics or values. So how do you think the current generation is being shaped? And are you hopeful for the way they interpret how they need to show up in the world for our tomorrows. I think the current generation is being uh, shaped in two extremes. There is one extreme where they're being shaped in cynicism. They have lost faith and hope um, in elders, in family, in uh, spiritual um, uh, communities, in education. They're fearful because the dreaming possibility has been shut on them. They no longer think that they can become because they can't afford. They no longer have faith or trust in teachers or leaders or or police systems. So fear and cynicism has has stopped their ability to continue to forge ahead. So there is um, a, a, a limitation to their innocence and a limitation to dreaming. And then there is another extreme in young people who are propelling themselves out of the condition of this uh, tangible experience. They've turned their back on the institutions, the great institutions of the world, and they're ascending into a higher place of spirit. They're trying to separate themselves from the world that has become so contradictory and hypocritical. So I think we have two extremes. We have those that are 
anesthetizing the fear, the pain, the reality um, with opioids, with suicide, with giving up, with violence, with anger, not knowing where to place those emotions. There's too much being forced on them. They can click a button on a computer and they Mm. can watch death, war, and destruction. Innocence has been taken from them because, you know, we have opened up to them the windows of every experience. So trauma has become a basic conversation, homelessness, fear, human trafficking, um, racism. Um, And then there's another group that is making uh, the ultimate decision to allow those things to propel them into artistic revelation, to propel them into um, humanity's embrace, to create other avenues and other journeys. Um, I just don't think there's much of a gray zone with our young people today. It's not offered them. Innocence is no longer on the table. There's too much exposure. Wow, that's powerful. That is so powerful and that is so insightful because that's definitely the obvious and I don't know if mainstream media even recognizes the role that they're playing in stripping innocence away so early from the eyes, Mm. the, 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 the lips, the ears, the spirit of our youths of today. All of your work and documentary, all of your work and documentary films are dedicated to activism and missionary work. Yes. You want to bring awareness to a number of social and political issues. So, as you yes. and I know, there's a lot of talk about the role of media in shaping our perceptions. What do you see as the social and moral responsibilities of filmmakers of today and entertainers? to help to bring back that innocence, to bring back that purity, not only in in the souls of children, but in the soul of a nation and of a world? What I think, I don't know if we can restore innocence with all of the provocation of exposure, but I do think that we can allow our young people today to utilize all of that information to be transformative so that they can have an internal dialogue that says, what they think and what they do matter. I think it's important for us to use media to tell each and every child, each and every individual that they matter, that they need to write their name, their expression, their experience, their art on this metaphoric tree of life, that they are here so their breath and their words and their feelings have a purpose for the destiny of all of society. There was a time when I was a young girl, it was the 70s, and we were being told that peace was possible. We saw John Lennon and Yoko Ono laying on a bed creating art saying, give peace a chance. We were singing these words because we were in responding to uh, the civil rights movement, to Jim Crow laws. We were trying to get equal rights for women. Vietnam War, uh, the Vietnam War was still raging. Martin Luther King was having a dream on the uh, steps of the Capitol. But now we have to speak to our children that peace is no longer a possibility. It's not just a great ideal or an ideology. It's now an imperative because we have an equal opportunity destroyer before our feet, and that is environmental degradation. So we have to step beyond the dialogue of race, of economics, of sexual orientation, of faith belief, of all of these things that polarize because If we don't have an environment that can sustain human life, then each and every individual um, will perish. So what we have to speak to our children is, yes, you've been exposed to all of these horrific things, all of these horrific things. Now you need to change the vibration of what that means, diversity, Mm. 
to come together. We need to recognize that we are one rhythm, one heartbeat, one atomic matter, that we are one under one God, and we need to rise so that we can save and transform and heal that which will sustain us. My father used to say as a Marine that even though there were members, even though there were people that were inside of the Marine Corps training with him, that were calling him nigger, that were debasing him for being a black man, that when they got into a foxhole, they were fighting a common enemy. And my father said, back to back, brother to brother, there were no niggers in a foxhole. What's happening in the world today is that uh, the environment, the degradation is the foxhole, and we're all in it together. So we have to come together, brother to brother, sister to sister, mother to mm. father, back to back. Well said. Well said. Well said. You know, we first met on a video shoot, and yeah. based on what you've just shared, uh, in addition to everything that you're doing, you have become the executive producer as well as the international celebrity ambassador of the 2020 and onward John Legend and Data Prince Love One Another video. I think it's important that you can share the story of this video and its possibility in adding to the awakening or adding to the bringing together that we are all in a foxhole and so we're all going to yes. have to work together to survive. Could you share with yes. us a little bit about it and where it's heading? And sure. is there anything that we sure. all need to do to keep pushing it forward? Thank you for that. Well, initially, um, the concept, I was contacted by the director who asked me to be the executive producer. The initial thought was that it was going to be a simple video, that Tata Prince and John would sing the song. We would bring a few celebrities together in an awareness of gun violence. Um, the creation of the project was spawned by young Tata Prince at the age of 19, watching the news and recognizing yet another young man killed innocently on the street, and it spawned the song. But when I was called, I knew that this was something greater than just a music video. I said to them, this is no longer a we are the world generation. The voices that need to be celebrated around gun violence are everyday people that have survived, the Emma Gonzalez's of Parkland, the, um, the military, people that have lost their children to suicide or to gun violence or to domestic violence, um, the children that are fearful to show up to school, parents that are fearful of dropping their kids off, an entire nation is being crippled by gun violence. So... I started the movement without knowing I was starting the movement because I was responsible responsible for bringing every person into the shoot. And what I did is I contacted schools, elementary schools, high schools, um, young people to represent the gun violence that had been perpetrated against them. I called in wounded warriors. I called in the United States Congress. I called in advocates, I called in um, victims, I called in the parents of victims, and I called in celebrities, and I called in spiritual leaders. And that was a new voice and breath that was unexpected for the shoot. What I said to them is, this is much more than a song. This has to be a, a movement, a conversation that vibrates out to all of society. The responsibility then came on people like you who felt that vibration at, I believe you came to our third shoot, who felt that vibration and said, this is something where I can stand in the center of my destiny and purpose for you that is reaching the world through spiritual awakening. 
and you had this incredible idea of this competition uh, with churches and with uh, um, spiritual organizations. We had already been establishing uh, bringing in schools and bringing in prisons and homeless communities and having a conversation of vibration throughout the land. So I believe that everyone can take a hold in their place of purpose, as you have done, um, as I have done, to start the conversation and to shift the dialogue towards loving one another. Because as we know, everything that we speak, think, see, or do is a seed that is planted that will uh, grow as its own kind. So if we shift the conversation, then we actually shift the environment, the universe, and make a spectacular splash in tomorrow's destiny for our children and for the generations to come. Beautiful. Um, I think it's one of the most heart-moving processes that have come on our world stage right now because it, I think it hits the purity of the soul. You can feel like instantly it's galvanizing a shared humanity and yes. there's a feeling, at least within me and a lot of the individuals that I've spoken to, I don't want anything out of this at a, where there's a personal agenda. I just want to see people getting along. I just want to see people getting along. I think a, that when we're, when we're crying out the words, love one another, mm-hmm. we, we all recognize in our own language that God is love. This song is a great Om Shanti, a great... Uh, praise and worship to all creation and all creator, all teachers, all healers, all angels, without people being aware. When we cry out the word love from the center of our hearts, we are all crying out to God all at once. And I think that is what we're all feeling without recognizing it. Because the word love has been bastardized. People say they love their jeans. They love their lipstick. They they love... (laughs) Um, a movie, <laughs> but when we're crying out to love one another, love one I another, think it's actually yeah. hitting the center of our soul, not the idiom of our society. That yes, is why yes. you are feeling and we're all feeling what this is. And we're crying it out at once. That must open the windows of heaven. <laughs> and I have to say, the fact that I'm seeing it, uh, of course, you've got the prisons, the schools, businesses, I'm sure it's going to keep spreading. But when I'm in a church and they're doing that, it doesn't matter anymore if somebody interprets the Bible that gay people should be, you know, like killed on a cross or something. It doesn't oh matter if you've been fornicated. It doesn't matter about all the stuff they talk about you. It's at that moment, what I've witnessed in churches is it's just time to love one another. I don't care. Absolutely. It's time. That's what. And that there's something so powerful in that, Piper. There is because, you know, when people are crying that out, they're actually blessing their neighbor. The one thing mm-hmm. that people forget about churches is that what we forget about churches is that self-righteousness, self-righteousness somehow is picked up, and it should be left at the door. You walk into a church because it's a great hospital of the soul. God is the great physician of the soul. We walk in depleted, and we want to be made whole. We walk in empty. We want to leave full. We want to live life on full and die on empty. And we step into chambers of spiritual awakening because we have left other things behind. So the forgiveness of self becomes hidden in a dialogue of judging others. When we're standing in a church and everyone is crying out, love one another, 
each person in fellowship is blessing the self-love and the global love of that fellowship community, which hopefully will tear away at the, at the conceptual lies of judging another. Because God said, judge not lest ye be judged. So whatever dialogue is spoken inside a doctrinated system that says you are wrong, you are different, you are broken, you can't know heaven is not a conversation of God. But if we use the word love, there's no way to misinterpret what that is. And that, of course, I think will shift even the indoctrinated conversation of judgment because it will go inward. Powerful. So let's look at our personal journey, especially yours. You've been through a lot. And you've been a fighter. And you continue to fight through maybe with different scars and maybe with more experience in, in, in your fighting. But you're also a survivor. So what has been, would you say, maybe one of the most important lessons that you have learned so far along the way? Along the way, I used to embrace the idea, which was crippling body, mind, and spirit, that I was a victim, a victim of sexual trauma, a victim of of abuse, a victim. And the word victimization then gave way to a conversation of survival. And what I realized, and I realized it through an extraordinarily beautiful woman named Angelia Dunbar in Dallas, who created an organization called the Survivor's Ball after surviving one of the most horrific domestic violence cases in Dallas history. And she gathers together a group of people, all upon which have survived or who wear the label of survivor, from plane crash victims to the Holocaust to human trafficking, all aspects of trauma. And she called me in to be the keynote and gave me this beautiful award last month in Dallas. What I recognized from that experience when I stepped up on that stage, holding the hand of a mother who had just lost her son to gun violence, I realized that we are not survivors, we are simply living, that all humanity has survived something, that that is the awakening of the soul, that in order to become a jewel in the kingdom of God, we have to be as diamonds under great pressure, and over time, we continue to ascend, to peel away, to die and resurrect. We have all survived different aspects, different journeys. So survival is really a process of ascending. Um, in life. It is the thing that leads us to our destiny and our purpose and allows us to become so full that we shed this physical skin, this temporal aspect of experience so that we can step into that heavenly realm at at whatever season uh, or stage we are called. Um, And that's now what I've learned about my life experiences because there's nothing new under the sun when I separated myself out and I said, oh, I have survived, I have lost, I have been through, I have been abused, I have been raped, these aspects of me, me, me allowed me to separate myself from the global humanity. When I step into a room of humanity, I recognize that there are hundreds of thousands of us as women, maybe millions, that have gone through similar experiences, which tell me that I'm even standing on the soil of tears and blood of those that left before All of us have survived. If we are living, we are survivors, and we will continue to ascend. It is simply called life, and that is the lesson. And I've learned now to embrace the journey of life as just a beautiful experience of transformation. Beautiful. 
Piper, in your quiet moments when you're not writing a film or producing a video or writing perhaps lyrics for upcoming music, which we'll talk <laughs> about soon. <laughs> That's a little secret, but we'll talk about it soon. Yes. How do you sit in yourself? Do you sometimes feel that past memories do come up? And if so, how do you manage them to not bring you down or bring you into the abyss of darkness? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And I think if I were to be honest, there are two things. There are moments of ebb and moments of flow. There are seasons and minutes and times and memories and smells and things that um, will knock me to my knees, that will draw me back to God, that will uh, stop my very ability to exhale, that will bait my breath over and over again. But what I've learned is that I don't lay down in those things anymore. There is a passage of Scripture where God says to a man sitting at the pool, pick up your bed and walk. I tried to ask myself, why did God have him pick up that bed? What I realized with that is that the bed, the bed is our trauma, the thing that knocks us down, the thing that we lay on. And sometimes we make ourselves comfortable under the quilt or comfort of our pain, and we have to remind ourselves um, we hold that bed with us as a reminder of what we've overcome. But we don't want to become like Lot's wife where we turn back and the rearview mirror becomes a preservative of salt and we stay there. What I've learned is that it's okay to feel the pain. It's okay to, to grieve the loss. It's okay to look at the scars, but it's not okay to lay down and become comfortable in the midst of something that's already occurred. What we have to do is open our eyes and find others that have also gone through the same grief or suffering to reach back and to call out to them, pick up your bed and walk. Wipe your eyes and see. Keep moving. Keep growing. Keep ascending. Call out to others. Set the captives free. Allow your experience to be a launching pad upon which you can assist others. Have an eagle's mm. eye and what I do is, it's a very strange practice, but I build gardens, I build ecosystems everywhere I go. And wherever I move, I don't take my furniture, I don't take my belongings, I take my art, I take my photographs, and I take my garden. I'll have huge trucks filled with every plant that I've ever planted because those things are living. That's my family, that's my Eden, and that's where I go to meditate, to pray, to proliferate the monarch, to proliferate the bee, to watch the hummingbird, to be connected to creation so I can recognize that there's something higher than myself. But I do allow myself to feel what I'm feeling. I trust that the um, essential uh, emotional diagram of my makeup was purposeful. I trust God with that, but sure. I know that I cannot sit there. Mm -hmm. I just keep going. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that speak volumes to your inner strength, which you are in control of? And sometimes doesn't the tragedy actually become a gift to give us the power that we always knew we had but became complacent with? I agree with you. Yes, absolutely. And there are moments where tragedy becomes nothing more than a moment to cocoon, you know, which is okay. I do believe in purging. I believe... I believe that if we get these things out, whether it's screaming, crying, praying, remembering, it is a remembering of that which has been broken, of that which has been sharded, 
if we allow ourselves to remember, to come back together, to restructure what has been broken, then it serves a great purpose. If we allow ourselves to sit in the sorrow, then we are uh, maintaining our fragmentation. And so, yes, absolutely, it is courageous. It garners strength. There is a reminder. You know, there is something that says to us, remind, change your mind, change your thinking so that you can use the tools of your past fragmentation in order to strengthen, really, to use those memories as a super glue, if there's mm-hmm. not a better a word, to put your life back together and okay, to remember what, what those experiences mean, you know. What do they yeah. mean? What did you learn? How did they expand you? How did they grow you? How are you going to change? You know, what will you never do again? How do you keep yeah. writing the story? Yeah, I use it to tell myself, don't close the book in the middle of the chapter. Don't stop writing. Your story is still being written. Just turn the page. Every day is a new possibility on a blank page. Turn the page and keep writing. What people often Beautiful. do is they close the book in the middle of the chapter, and I refuse to do that. Beautiful. How inspiring. Now, we spoke recently about a possibility of a new invitation in your life, writing a song for the incredible A.I.H. Raman from India. you got to tell us a little bit of insights. You know I can't hang up until you I tell us, girl. I don't know. I'm, even <laughs> I'm so happy for you here. on that one. That is what great. I will do is I will say thank you, God. Thank you, destiny. Thank you, purpose. Today will be the first day um, of that process. And I have to say, just being in the presence of him, what an extraordinary spirit. He was called to compose the song and sorrow and love of the soul. There is something in his eyes and his creativity and his beauty and his metaphoric exchange where our souls dance just being in the same room. So I am still in shock and in awe of this beautiful open gift that has been placed at my feet. I don't know what it is, but I often say to myself, that has got to be my daddy. That has got to be my physical daddy, that extraordinary (laughs) angel sitting on the lap of God, sitting on Abba's lap going, come on, help me help my baby girl. Because (laughs) doors and windows have been opening that I know I have not been, um, I have not been opening. So I realize that my spirit must hold the key and I'm just allowing the key of that destiny to humble me and to Mm -hmm. engage me to say yes, to just say yes. Uh, fearlessly to say yes and that's what I'm going to do in this experience and once it's done and complete I will come back and let you know all that has transpired and and what it is that we will be creating together as a composition team is going to shift the world and the dialogue of the environment it's going to be powerful stuff well I know that you had introduced me to this movement than Ken Cragen and Neil Morgan had begun with the Hands yes. Across the World. Could you tell me a little bit about that and perhaps how the even the music that A.H. Raman is putting together is sort of a gift to that movement, isn't it? It is. Ken Cragen, of course, um, started Hands Around the World, 
he took an idea that wasn't even thought of, and I believe this was almost 50 years ago, where he said, I would like everyone in the world to make a giant chain holding hands from city to city, state to state, country to country, borough to borough, nation to nation, and he accomplished that goal. He was also the creator of We Are the World, spawning a movement to open eyes and hearts to what was happening in Africa, that there needed to be aid to Africa for food, for water, for apartheid, for the AIDS pandemic. So he brought a vibration through music, you know, which is the heartbeat of everything, the heartbeat of God, the heartbeat of of seasons, music. And he created a song that people sang all over the world. It is now moving into an environmental conversation that started as Aid to Africa. And as you know, that spawned movements all over the world for farm aid, for um, USA, Africa, for Amnesty International. This movement of bringing celebrities together with a vibration of music to shift the dynamic and to bring awareness and education. Right now, again, the conversation is back to the environment, back to the equal opportunity destroyer, back to um, the foxhole. And with the 50-year anniversary coming, he said, let's do it again. But how do we do it in a technological age? Holding hands is impossible because people now have cell phones in their hands. So he said, well, let's use technology. Um, Neil Morgan created an extraordinary technological advanced machine that houses four, five, six hundred cameras that uh, does um, a 3D picture of people that can be downloaded through a, a very special app where they're holding hands with anyone in the world. You can hold hands with the Dalai Lama and the Pope at the very same time with John Legend and um, a wounded warrior at the very same time. Anyone in the world can choose who they will be holding hands with around the globe, and it will be a technological wave of embrace. With that, he knew that he had to create another song like We Are the World, but it needed to embrace the world. And in walks one of the most extraordinary composers of all time, who, of course, you know, won the Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire and so many other films and Golden Globes and Grammys. And, you know, he is a, the, the pulse of world music, the pulse of the spirit. Yes. So he is in composition with other composers from Sweden. And we will be coming together um, to create the new We Are the World song. Piper, thank you for just being such a light in this world of raising our vibrations. Thank because you. the more of us that can hold our hands and bring our voices and write and just show up and survive and still smile and still, you know, get down and come back up and say, you, you can't push me down too far anymore. You just continue to be an inspiration for so many of us. So let's... Yeah, any closing remarks, something? I mean, you've said so much already that the whole studio is like bubbling, but <laughs> any closing uh, remarks and anything that you'd like us to support, go to the best website, please let us know. I think that following what it is that you, sister, are creating hand-in-hand with us, this mm-hmm. hashtag love one another revolution, Go out and start your own in your places of business, in your places of worship, um, in your communities, in your neighborhoods. Let's continue the vibration of loving one another. It's very simple. It's a 
simple idea of holding your hand in a heart and singing simple lyrics. And please, hands around the world, remember to always embrace with your body, your smile, um, your heart and your everyone who comes into your awareness or in your presence because they may be angels unawares as you are. Let's just love one another. Plan to mm. see, plan to smile, to embrace, and um, connect yourself to God in whatever way God is connected to you. Mm. Why does it seem so easy for us? <laughs> Because we've been through the fire, my lovely. Perhaps because I just say, why would you hurt that person? Like, why would you hurt? I just, anyway, that's why we're in the work. Listen, what's the best website for people to get a hold of you? And to be continued, I was going to go off in a tangent, and I'm like, there's no more time left. But anyway, leave us to the website. <laughs> oh, my, my website is piperdellums.com, all one word, P-I-P-E-R-D-E-L-L-U-M-S. Listen, many blessings and to be continued. Many blessings. All right, my dear. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Bye. Me too. Bye bye. Bye -bye. So that was Piper Dellums. For more information, do contact her at piperdellums.com if you'd really like to learn more and grow more with the gifts that she's bringing forward. Uh, It's really a life of compassion and activism. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. And so I don't know what's up with you, but it's time to get going. Here's Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Take care, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.